0: Good afternoon, Callum. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Wonderful. I feel like I've been out of the loop for a wee while. Um, what? It feels like it's been a long time since we chatted, even though it was only last. No, oh, it was two thir- two Fridays ago. Yeah, it does seem a while ago. Yeah. Weird, well, time flies. It does. It does. But it's almost in the middle of April. I find that blows my
1: mind sometimes. I know. Well, February and March for us has kind of disappeared, so yeah, I bet it kind have. of like January, April, May, June, July, that's how our
0: year's going <laughs> to go. Yeah.
1: All well, though? All well, all good with us, all good with you, I hope.
0: All good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so this is episode 14 of the current season. Um, season three. Season three. Yeah. Let's we'll have a discussion as to how long we're going to run this season for before we have a wee uh, break. Let the listeners have a break from us. Twenty-three. Classic.
1: Yeah. Anybody who needs a reference for
0: that, I hope Dave's on the say wavelength as me. Why Check 20- out my uh, Instagram story if it's still up from yesterday. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. That's one way to direct people to uh, to start following you on Instagram. Mind <laughs> you, I say, that, that, do that from today, but, you know, when is today? Like, Yeah. yeah. Is today now? Hashtag MJ Monday. Last?
1: Or is today going to be in the future? But whatever today holds,
0: make sure it counts. Good. I think we're done here. Good episode. <laughs> 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 okay. Before we get uh, too philosophical on the nature of time and its implications, we are going to talk about five fitness myths that need to cease to exist. Die. Die. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's there's a lot of bad information out there, outdated information maybe that just, you know, has stuck in the consciousness of everybody and it's, it's never been updated. And I think it, this is a good opportunity to uh, talk about some of those and uh, set people right where needed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got five. We're going to make them relatively quick. But we'll, as always, no doubt we'll end up going down a couple of rabbit holes and uh, having to rely on Callum's common sense to pull us back in <laughs> best compliment I've received all year and it won't be the last it won't be the last what are we going to start with callum well um i
1: think it's i think it's potentially good to, to start off with by saying that it's nobody's it's nobody's fault that these exist apart from uh, marketing companies (laughs) to sell
0: continue to push them
1: yeah Um. so if you do believe in one of these then that's because you've been marketed to and what we're going to do is help highlight these are myths but also give you some sort of reasoning to why they're myths and hopefully you can kind of see daylight from them and move uh, move away from these myths and actually start seeing what uh, you need to see and start making the progress you need to make so yeah with that said Um, Myth number one we should start off with is the infamous fact that you can target body fat. Now, that's the myth. You can target
0: body fat. So that's targeting fat loss from a specific area.
1: Correct. So a lot of people think that, you know, if you do sit-ups, then you're going to lose fat around the stomach. If you do tricep dips, you're going to lose fat around the bingo wings, the back of the arms, or if you do squats, then you're going to lose fat around the legs. But we know, through science, Dave, and through our uh, through our jobs, that you can actually control what part of the body fat drops from first,
0: can you? No, you can't. No. However, However, there's a caveat. There is. There is some evidence that on a very small scale over a very short time frame you may burn more fat on a target area but not so much that it's actually going to make a difference okay so your body's going to draw energy from say you're doing i think one of the studies that i saw was leg extensions um and they took a sort of biopsy of, of what was going on and you found that there was an elevated amount of, of um, fat being burned during the exercise. However, the amount is so small that it's not going to give you shredded legs just from doing leg extensions and nothing else. Um, or, you know, like you say, getting a six pack just by doing crunches and only losing fat around here. It just doesn't happen. So, yeah. Can't remember where else I was going to go with that. We can, we can put that into the treasure chest of myths then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what you've got to remember is your, your body will your, – your body does lose fat in a certain pattern,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is from the extremities in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So when people lose body fat, if you were to stand with your hands above your head – Imagine fat loss is happening from your toes and your fingers in towards your arms and shoulders, up your legs, towards your bum, down through your chest, your torso. And the last bit to go is kind of around your midsection, kind of belly button to pelvis. So, you know, fat fat loss will happen in a um, kind of expected way. Mm -hmm. You don't get to choose where that happens first or how fast that happens. All you can control is your calorie balance, um, your ability to train to maintain as much lean mass as you can to ensure that most of the weight loss that you do lose comes from fat stores, and your body will figure out the rest. I think that's yeah. all we can say on that one.
1: Yeah,
0: which kind of leads nicely into kind of this myth number two. And I kind
1: of touched on it with myth number one about uh, crunches are the best moves for your core, or the best moves to kind of reduce body fat around your midriff. But this myth, crunches are the best move for your core, is is inaccurate, massively inaccurate, because we know that, or let's put it this way: there was a study done. Seeing how you've already spoken about studies, mm-hmm. where there was, a, now it's called an. Um, oh, you know you put the probes on the muscle fibers to see if they twitch during movement what's that called ecg no that's heart
0: no it's uh, it's um oh, it's gone from me yep yeah, completely gone
1: anyway so you put you put these um, you put these uh, probes onto the muscles to see if they to see if they twitch to to see if they're activated during a certain movement now in this study which i will find so dave can put it onto the show notes is that during a uh, pull-up or a chin-up, there was actually more core activation in use rather than individuals doing purely sit-ups. So that kind of emphasizes that crunches are not the best moves for your core. And then you've got squats and you've got deadlifts and you've got overhead pressing and you've got press-ups. All these major compound movements that you're doing is actually engaging more core um, muscle fibers and actually just doing sit-ups themselves, which is why if you know you go to a PT that's had quite a lot of skin in the game the chances of you actually doing a setup in a program are going to be very minimal and um, as a conventional sit-up, yes there'll be forms and variations and variables of it but it's not going to be let's just line our back and do plenty sit-ups because really what are you going to the PT for if that's what you're getting Um, it's to obviously ensure that there's other factors that are going to help with improving your core,
0: which is going to help improve your overall body composition as well. Yeah. I I think what that study kind of highlights is that, you know, I think we both approach core training from the same direction in that the core should predominantly be trained to resist movement, Mm -hmm. not to create it. That's what your core does. Like, if if we purely isolate core down to... Your abdominals. Okay. So your six back, your obliques, your transverse abdominis, you know, definitions of core kind of everything from the lats to the hip flexors to the glutes. But if we isolate it just purely to the the sort of abdominals, Uh their job is to tie your rib cage and pelvis together and not let you fall over when you apply load to one of your extremities. Like, you know, so training. Instead of training purely sit-ups, and I know why people do it because it gives you that burning feeling. It feels like you're doing something. You add a load to it. You can build muscle that way through its action, but you have to get really, really strong with your core's function. So things like plank variations, side planks, farmer's carries, um, things like dead bugs where you're resisting a torque through your pelvis, um, all of that sort of stuff you know, bird dogs to resist rotation, pal off presses, you know, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of core stuff you can do which trains the function of the abs. And, you know, if you take care of that side of things and then take care of your diet, that's where you're going to get the result. You know, it's not from doing endless rounds of crunches because you're only training one action of the abs. You're not actually training what they're supposed to do. Nice. Um, So that's kind of how... I think you and I both think about course running. It's yeah. it's <clears throat> function over action. Yeah. I, I
1: like I like how this has gone from I'm I'm kind of highlighting the myth and giving it a little bit of reasoning, and you're the guy that's myth busting. That's just happened naturally. We didn't <laughs> plan for this. <laughs> it's kind of um, it's kind of like that program myth-bust- myth myth-busters.
0: mythbusters. Mythbusters.
1: Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Um, it's presented by Mike Tyson. Yes so moving swiftly on to exercise number three um exercise can erase a bad diet how many times have you heard that all i need to do is exercise and things will be
0: things will be all gravy was there not something last year the year before where the government decided to put on exercise recommendations to counteract the calories of certain foods is that not a thing yeah, ever,
1: has every has every kind of PT not done that like oh,
0: yeah you know yeah. and like I hear you hear it all the time from people like you know I need to I need to walk off the Mars bar that I had or I yeah. need to you, know, you don't you're not a freaking dog you don't need to earn your food it stop it yeah, yeah. It's there is this this myth, and you see it every now and again, round particularly around holidays, right? Around Christmas, around Easter. If you follow any American people, around sort of Thanksgiving and maybe Fourth uh, of um, July, get the month right, um, where it's like, you know, here's your I don't know chocolate busting hit workout. You know, if you've had a Snickers bar, then you have to do 443 burpees and 12 sit-ups. Which
1: equates to the
0: 280 calories at a Snicker yeah.
1: Razor or whatever.
0: Aye. And it's bullshit. It just creates this bad um association between exercise and food, Yeah, which serves nobody. It, it does more damage than than anything else. Um. We have both said it before that, you know, you look after your diet for body composition. You look after your training and activity levels for fitness, strength, muscle building, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, There's not really a crossover. Um, so, yeah, um, it, it's just something that needs to go away. And anytime you ever see anybody selling that sort of nonsense, just unfollow them. Report them. Yeah, block them. Block them. Mess up their yeah. algorithms. Um,
1: <clears throat> the reason the reason I wanted to chuck that myth in to begin with is because you know we're a week out from Easter, Easter weekend's this coming weekend at the point in this recording, and it's uh, you're going to see a, people are going to start seeing a lot of that kicking around. Yeah. Two Easter eggs equates to three hours on a treadmill, for example. Like as Dave said, you do not need to punish yourself for having food and for eating easter eggs at the end of the day if you're going to eat an easter egg over easter that's what it's for right that's what they're in the supermarkets for go and enjoy it the thing that you can do is to if you're not wanting to um overshoot your calories is put them into your you know cal- either calorie bank for the week or you can monitor your calories and they run up to it or you can just completely forget about it and start afresh whenever you decide to in the coming days or weeks. <laughs> That's ultimately it.
0: And it, it, it comes down to, you know, building better relationships with food, becoming more intuitive with what you eat, understanding that food is not just energy in and energy out. It's, yes. it's social. It's about building memories. It's having fun. And if you're, you know, going to a family Easter lunch or something and you know there's going to be chocolate there and you spend all the time fretting about that and worrying about it and then abstaining from it because you know you're not able to go and hit the gym for 45 minutes afterwards to burn it off how much are you actually enjoying your day you know how much are you enjoying that aspect of your lifestyle like that's horribly restrictive and you know it's a bit more than that all this stuff is here to enhance your life it's to complement it it's not to make it difficult and miserable preach it brother yeah you I mean it's um yeah what are you going to remember what would you rather remember or rather have as a memory um (laughs) it looks like you're looking at me there when you were facing the side there that was really disconcerting um (laughs) would you rather have this great memory of having fun and and maybe enjoying some nice tasty food with friends and family or would you rather have a memory of how shredded you were and how restrictive you were and how disciplined you were over that whole period when everybody else was having fun there's a balance to be had but I know what side of the fence I'd rather be on
1: I'd rather be in top hats
0: party hats rice krispie squares all that jazz give me an easter egg and some Marshmallows and I'm a happy bunny. I mean, I think I think the issue comes with uh,
1: this this coming weekend is that Easter egg's not lasted in any longer than ten minutes, <laughs> and I'm going to still be hungry afterwards. So I'm you know probably what? going to dive into something else, and I'm <laughs> going to
0: feel fine for it. Yeah, I'm not going to I remember like fat gain doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen from one day of eating. Not to any great degree. Like, I think the, 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 what are the numbers? Three and a half thousand calories to gain a pound of fat. But yeah,
1: exactly. Three and a half thousand. Dave, would you stop talking sense, please? We're trying to bust myths here and all you're doing is giving
0: evidence. I'm absolutely why not saying. sorry for that at all. Um, but that's three and a half thousand calories over and above what you would have eaten that day. So say you're on 2000 calorie maintenance, you would have to eat five and a half thousand calories a day. Now, trust me, from someone who has had calories set fairly high. Yep. Like, I, I mean, I've I think the highest I've ever set my calories is four and a half thousand. That is hard work. Like that, that's a job in itself, eating that much food. And it's you're incredible. very rarely going to do it clean. However, the point is you're not if you see a weight gain the day after Easter because you had a chocolate Easter egg, that's not body fat. That is food volume. It is water weight. It is not having had a poo. It's not body fat. Yeah. Relax. Enjoy the damn Easter egg and move on. Speaking
1: of um, speaking of calories, have you ever had? Have you ever done a training program where you've had to buy back the calories that you have consumed, or that you have burnt? Like. So, like for example, when I was uh, when I was training for the for the Iron Man, uh-huh. my calorie expenditure on any given kind of longer training day would be on upwards of 2,000 to 3,000 calories Mm -hmm. and I had to then kind of eat those back to ensure that I wasn't in a calorie deficit so my maintenance was 2,000 I think it was Mm 2,800 so then I had to then consume an additional 2,000 Five hundred to three thousand on top of what that would originally be, so that's over and above the five thousand calorie mark, and that's where you have to get smart with it, and that's where you have to find out how can I consume a thousand calories in a shake, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's obviously a completely different scenario.
0: Yeah.
1: But to emphasize the point that Dave made, yes, it is indeed three and a half thousand calories to gain a pound of fat, and if you are in a calorie deficit, to then all of a sudden consume an excess of you know and Dave's words 4,000 plus or 5,000 plus depending what you're what you're doing it's really really hard and you have to make a real conscious effort and when you think you are kind of going on a binge or when you are kind of you feel like emotionally tied to food or you're you sitting at a desk and you're smashing a bar of I don't know chocolate buttons or whatnot then you're not you're not going to massively overconsume. you're not going to put on that pound of fat that the scale says that you will the next day so it's not something to worry about at all so go and enjoy what will be no doubt a fantastic easter weekend yes um right moving on to myth number four when (laughs) i love this one this is this is this is old school philosophy exploded right now <laughs> when you stop strength training now i have to quote because somebody has asked me the difference between strength training weight training and resistance training
0: <laughs>
1: they're all the same thing yes but when you stop strength training muscle turns to fat
0: when i first started working out here we go like when i was playing basketball and i was a young lad my dad said that yeah my my i think it's probably because these kind of old school strength guys when they stopped training they stopped training completely and ended up larger than they were before um but no okay so why
1: why is why is this the case then because they have got into impeccable, you know. Let, let's go with um, Let's go with kind of on stage bodybuilders like sure. your Colemans and your Sportsniggers and whatnot. When they stop training uh-huh. in an environment, what is the factor that all of a sudden perceives that their muscle turns to fat?
0: So they're no longer shredded. Correct. they some body fat. Yes. So
1: they haven't lifted, they're not lifting any weight but what they're continuing to do is potentially maintain the diet that they were on yeah. when working out now if they're not working out then they obviously they're not building muscle if they're not building muscle the calories you're consuming is not being expended and therefore they're gaining
0: additional muscle um, fat mass yeah and you know if if you you know just even take it from like a regular person's perspective if you've been working out consistently for a year or so, for example, and um, you've gained a, well, a couple of years, you've gained a reasonable amount of muscle, you're in reasonably good shape, you're fairly lean, blah, 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 blah. Say you go into a coma, you're hit by a car, you're in a coma, you're lying in your bed, you're not training, but you're still receiving calories via feeding tubes and all that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm what mechanisms are at play one you're not stimulating the muscles so they're getting smaller two you're still taking in calories and assuming that they've done their numbers right you you may be in a slight excess you're gaining body fat you've not turned muscles into body fat because they're two different tissues you're just changing the ratio of what you have Mm -hmm. so saying that you're going to turn your muscles muscles are going to turn into body fat or vice versa it's like saying you're going to turn these oranges into potatoes (laughs) right you just you can't you just get rid of some of the potatoes and you gain some more oranges that's the difference it's it's yeah they're, they're two separate completely separate tissues And all you're doing, all that's happening, is you're seeing a change in the ratio of those tissues on your frame. Have you been doing elementary
1: maths with your uh, daughter? Because that seems very uh, (laughs) yeah, very current in the Valentine household.
0: (laughs) She could probably teach me a thing or two at this point, probably.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect example and a nice a nice breakdown as well, because that's 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 ultimately all it is. Yeah,
0: potatoes and oranges.
1: Potatoes
0: and oranges. Oh, we've frozen. You there? I'm still here. Yeah, you just froze there. You froze mid flow.
1: Did I did I freeze mid flow or did I
0: take a dramatic pause? It would be a very odd place to take a pause, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> that may be a thing that you're working on. <laughs> So, I think yeah, we're about good. to say if you take anything away from this podcast there we go the potatoes and oranges
1: <laughs> are the thing
0: you know yeah. have <laughs> probably just missed out <laughs> we're not even going to go into whether potatoes are good or bad or whether oranges are good or bad or which one's which it doesn't matter the point is they're different yeah kind of like peaches and cream kind of like peaches and cream yeah
1: yeah, peace up, a town down. Uh, <laughs> very niche reference for uh, the R and B fans out there. <laughs> right, let's move on. Myth, <laughs> myth number, myth number five. <clears throat> um, a town down used to be uh, Aberdeen, not Atlanta, by the way. Um, right. <laughs> myth,
0: myth number five. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> myth number five. Nothing to do with potatoes, oranges. Well, oh, well, yeah, maybe they are. Well, maybe the peaches and cream, right? Because you can't eat carbs after 6pm. Or 8pm or 7pm.
1: Or 3pm or in, insert time frame.
0: Why, Callum? Why can't you eat carbs after 6pm? Well, Dave, very what good is question. The myth. So what,
1: what we're doing by eating... Putting a time frame on can't eating food after a certain time is reducing the amount of time in the day in which you can eat. So if, for example, try and keep this super basic, let's say you can't eat after 6pm. What that's doing is increasing the time from when you stop eating to the following day in which you start eating again of eating nothing. Therefore, you're reducing the window of opportunity which you can consume calories in your day and increasing no- increasing the time where you're not eating calories that is essentially it after 6 p.m and 8 p.m what we generally tend to do is we're sitting down relaxing we've had dinner and we're potentially watching uh, something on netflix or a movie the chances are boredom is going to creep in and you're going to Potentially go to bags of crisps and confectionery items. In my case, it's Haggadass Belgian chocolate ice cream, and I could quite easily sit down and see a tub of that off absolutely no problem. And I'm not talking about the miniature tubs. I'm talking about the 500 ml tubs. So when you put that, but uh, savage but delicious. Like yeah. I don't. I mean, I probably do that maybe once a month, and I don't regret it one bit. As you shouldn't. You know. But um, you can see why, because if I had this mentality of, oh, my goodness, I can't eat past 6pm, and that stuck with me, then mm-hmm. I wouldn't eat it. But, you know, that's, that's where the myth essentially has come from. Um, but the truth is, you can ultimately, ultimately eat whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as it fits into your daily food targets, which is why calorie counting to a certain degree can be the answer to a lot of people's weight gain issues to begin with when they jump on any form of coaching or training program because they'll then have an understanding of how many calories they're putting into the body and if they have enough calories at the end of the day then why not eat your half a tub of Ben and Jerry's or haagen at 8pm yeah, yeah. what's wrong with that because it fits yeah
0: like nobody's sitting down to watch a movie at night with an apple It's it's you will tend to go towards the more calorie dense hyper palatable foods that we all enjoy um and i think <sighs> <laughs> i've just got i've just got a picture of you walking into a cinema
1: rather than ordering um, popcorn and a juice it's just uh <laughs> it's a fruit it's a fruit bowl so you've
0: got a salad and yeah give me a fruit salad and uh yeah. actually you can't eat fruit because that's carbs so it would have to be like um give me a salad like a vegetable salad like give me some salad veggies and a bottle of water so before well, how about we go in and
1: tackle um, carbs make you fat after this as a bonus tip, as a bonus yeah. myth? Because you just yeah. mentioned it. as Jokingly, I know, but people may not think it's jokingly.
0: Yeah. I mean, just finish up on that, kind of carbs are eaten after a certain point of time. Like The more tired you get, the more you're drawn to those hyperpalatable foods, which tend to be higher calorie, which tend to be the ones that, when consumed over a long enough period of time will lead to fat gain, you know, and, and people notice that when they stop eating these things, which they don't generally eat through the day, maybe, but they tend to eat at night. They equate the time that they ate those things with fat loss rather than the actual food itself. Um, and I think where that, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. And you're right, putting a constraint on the number of hours in which you're able to eat it's a form of intermittent fasting, effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you have breakfast every morning at seven, and you say, "Right, I'm not going to have any th- any kind of snack after I finish my dinner at, I don't know, seven o'clock," you've given yourself a twelve hour window of fasting. Yeah, exactly. That's good. <laughs> That's how that works. It's not what you're eating and when te- when you're eating it; it's the total amount of food that comes in. Um, and if you're bored of eating and you know eating from snacks it tends to be a bit mindless it tends to i mean there's been numerous times where we've popped open a packet of pringles or something like that and then you go to reach in for another wee helping and realize that you are touching the bottom well i can't touch the bottom of because my hands are too big but there's no, more, way, there's no more crisps in there so it's you've you've just demolished the box of pringles without even thinking about it yeah um it's it's that kind of thing that happens. It's boredom eating, it's it's not what you eat, it's when and how you eat it that's the issue. Solid. Cold. Carbs, fruit, fatness. Let's explore it.
1: Cool. So um, the myth the myth often that you hear is carbs make you fat. The truth. Eating excess calories over time make you fat. Yes. So that's like saying protein makes you fat or um, fat makes you fat or I don't know, whatever, insert insert anything. You know, you could say potatoes, seeing how it's a theme, make you fat or oranges
0: make you fat. Nice. You'd have to eat a hell of a lot of oranges. You would do, but the thing is that I, think I think the vitamin C issue would be a problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you eat anything in massive excess it's going to make you fat and um, make you gain weight. Yeah. Not even massive
0: excess, just consistent excess.
1: Consistent excess over a period of time.
0: Yeah. And the the thing is, like, there is evidence that shows that a higher fat diet will lead to more storage of body fat than a high-carb diet,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: simply because your body will preferentially use the carbs more quickly. And more easily before they're turned to fat fat is just stored as is um but it's an excess of calories that leads to that it's it's going above and beyond your requirements on a, a, a daily basis consistently for i don't even know a long time four or six weeks that will lead to the fat gain it's not the carbs per se or the fat per se it's the energy excess um yeah I had something else in my head there and just popped right out.
1: I think um, I, th- I don't think it needs to be explained any uh, any simpler than that. I think that is literally kind of the the basics with, with that. I mean, yeah. eat anything over a period of time that's above and beyond what the body requires is going to hold on to, and therefore.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fat and <laughs> the thing is like, you know, there've been numerous studies showing that you know, if you overfeed 20 people, a thousand calories a day for two weeks, the, the amount of fat gained over that period is going to vary dramatically
1: mm-hmm.
0: between different people as well. So it's it's not even like there's a consistent um, effect side effect from this stuff. It's all individual and it's that. Uh, yeah. don't know where I'm going with that, but it's it's just interesting that, you know, Excess calories are not always treated the same. Um, yeah. It depends on a lot of different factors. Um, if you're doing that once in a while, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've seen seen clients lose body fat on a very high carb diet because they're super active.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, if that if if it was a case that carbs were purely responsible for uh, fat gain, you know, these clients would not be losing. The body fat that they were losing yeah. you know, it, it would be impossible and um, similarly i've seen clients have great success on a lower carb approach and a higher fat one um, but any macronutrient is is likely to lead to fat gain over time if consumed to excess
1: but the the point you're trying to make there is like regardless of what uh, what diet or what form of diet these individuals have been on at the end of the day it doesn't matter if it's a low fat, high carb, high, um, high fat, low carb, or whatever the ratios may be, yeah. the, the basic underlying principle for it
0: all is regardless, they're in a calorie deficit, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, your your carb intake and your fat intake largely comes down to preference. You know, they if I tell you that you have to go low carb to lose fat and you love carbs, how long are you going to last on the diet? You know, you're not going to stick to it. Um so it's finding the balance for you within your calorie um allowance or calorie yeah. needs.
1: Well one one thing one thing I do with all with all my clients is I lead, you know, if I was to do anything with um calorie tracking or whatnot, depending on the individual, depending on what we've discussed, um nine times out of ten it's uh, calories and protein. Done. Track those yes. metrics, away you go. Oh, but yep. What but what about the other two? What about the carbs and fats? Well, just like Dave's emphasized, they kind of take care of themselves down to your personal preference. But if you're eating to your calorie goal and to your protein or as close to your protein goal as possible, mm-hmm. the chances of you overshooting either one of those fats or carbs is going to be minimal. So yeah, focus focus on the things that are going to make the biggest difference. And that is number one, your calories. Number two, protein. Yeah. It's like tangent worthwhile noting sweet and i think that sums up guys i think that sums up our um kind of myth busting there so yeah let us know what your biggest takeaway for that was um in the comments to the podcast below if you want to reach out, out to us individually you can do but yeah let us know what your biggest uh, takeaway was if we haven't covered a myth or you've or you've heard something let us know and we'll we'll try and answer it on a Instagram story, or we might even write a post about it. But yeah, just to kind of just to recap on what we um spoke about there because we did go off on a few bits a few tangents. Um we were busting myths. Um myth number one, Dave, was you can you can target um fat burn or fat loss from a certain area yep. of your body. We you busted it, you can't. Um crunches are the best moves for your core. One of the least story. effective we Um, Myth number three, exercise can raise a bad diet. Myth busted, exercise by no means makes up for a bad diet. Strength training turns muscles into fat. Absolutely not. We busted that. Muscles can't turn into fat, just as fat can't turn into muscle, is basically what we discussed. And finally, I don't know, what was the final one? Oh, can't eat after 6 p.m. or insert favorite
0: time. All right. The the time for that one seems to vary from individual to individual.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um I don't think
1: we missed anything out there, Cal. No, I don't think we did. <laughs> but as always, if you enjoyed that, um, please share it on your social media platforms. Yes. Please. Um, let us know what you think. Leave a review if possible, good or bad. Um it doesn't if it's if it's good, then great. If it's bad, we've got something to improve on. Absolutely. Um so, yeah, that's, uh, that's this, uh, this episode tied up. Fitness myths that need to Damn. die. <laughs> ah, yeah.
0: Sweet. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to listen to the episode. Um, and as Calum says, if you can share it, like it, rate it, review it, all that sort of stuff, that would be very much appreciated. And we will be back next week. Take it easy. Hasta luego.